0: Vintage Church, how are you? Y'all doing all right? Come on. Man, it's good to see you. If you're new or visiting with us uh, for the first time, maybe the first time in a while, my name's Steven. And last week, Pastor Josh kicked off a brand new series called NUMA. Can you give it up for Josh? Didn't he do a great job? Come on. Even if he didn't, he needs the encouragement. Come on, give him a clap. So glad that he was able to fill in. And uh, man, this series is really going to help prepare us for Easter. I really believe as a church, really as a culture, we're coming into a time where people are looking around at all of these secular values being thrust on them. And quite frankly, they've put them into practice in their life and they've realized something that reality teaches you. Okay. Truth. There are some things that are better than others. Some things work and some things don't. And I really believe there's going to be a big reception uh, to the message of Christ. And we're just preparing you. You know, Jesus said uh, in in Acts chapter one, verse eight, before you leave any, before you go anywhere, He said, "Stay in Jerusalem until I send the Spirit." Okay, and that Spirit is going to come upon you in power, and it's going to enable you to be my witnesses where your feet are, uh, where you're at right now, and also into the surrounding areas, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's really what we're doing leading into Easter. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, begin praying about someone that you may be inviting. You know, unlike any other time in our yearly calendar, Easter is an incredible time where many, many people are receptive to being invited to church, receptive to faith. Uh, We actually have an area out there called Easter Central where our teams put together a lot of different things that you can use uh, to invite people to church. There's door hangers. You know, if you have a neighborhood where, you know, it's safer, you know, I wouldn't go putting door hangers around my neighborhood. But anyways, there's flyers and all different kinds of things you can use. I want to encourage you uh, to do that. You know, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Bible has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, but here's what I know. As a pastor, I've taught this for years, and here's what happens. There's always three types of people uh, when I teach about the Holy Spirit. The first type is they're curious. Maybe you're in here and you're kind of like, you know, you're just getting started in your faith. You don't have a whole lot of religious baggage, you don't have a whole lot of tradition uh, behind you, or maybe in your family, you've just given your life to Christ, you're just learning. You open up your Bible, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. You're thinking man i'm curious i want to know more about him uh, for some of you though you're concerned you know maybe maybe you you know somebody or you've been around somebody that you know they did something in the name of the holy spirit maybe you were just you, you had a hard time sleeping at night so you turned on midnight television and you you saw that crazy preacher in that silly looking suit doing all kinds of things in the name of the holy spirit and you thought to yourself you know i really like this church they seemed normal, Is this where they get weird? Like is this where everything just comes off the track uh, to which I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, plead with you, The reality is there's lots of people who do silly things, okay? And just because they say it's in the name of the Holy Spirit, uh, it's not always the case. Uh, you also have those who are closed. You know, maybe you're in here and you have had an experience with the person of the Holy Spirit, or maybe somebody in his name, and it really hurt you, it bothered you, it maybe manipulated or pushed you. Something I always say about God and the presence of God is God's not a bully or a tyrant. He doesn't impress himself into your life. That's why we surrender our life to him. It's a free will choice, and a lot of people are just closed to even talking about it, maybe because they grew up in a a denomination that, that never even mentioned it, Uh, Or maybe they grew up in a a denomination that quite frankly probably mentioned it a lot and a lot of things that were done were weird and they weren't in the Holy Spirit. You know, last week Josh uh, kicked off our series really talking about the Holy Spirit really, you know, this is not Casper the Friendly Ghost. You know, the Holy Spirit is not your weird Uncle Eddie. You know, it's not this kind of timid thing you should kind of wonder. It's also not like your genie in a bottle. You know, it, it is this. He is the spirit of God. He's the person in the Trinity, the Godhead. And so here's what we, we've learned. And this is really, really important as we continue our conversation today. We're going to talk about practically what's the work of the Holy Spirit look like in your life or should look like in your life. If you're a professing Christian, here's what we got to do. I want you to take all of your experiences, all your thoughts, and I want you to just pick them up and I want you to put them aside for just a minute. And what I want to do for about the next 20 minutes is I want to open up scripture and teach you who the Holy Spirit is. Practically how he works in your life. Here's what we call it. We want to put the Bible over our head and allow it to be the filter for everything. We say it this way. Our experience informs us, but only God's word forms us. That is so important. Not just in this topic, but in every topic in the church. It's very, very important. Here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. I want you to think about this. Jesus is talking to his inner circle when he says this. He's close to the cross, right? He's close to fulfilling his mission on earth. He begins to look to his disciples and say things like this. Now, think about how they must have felt or thought these are men that had walked with Jesus side by side in the flesh for over three years. In what universe is it better that he leaves and sends someone else? I mean, I'm sure they were probably thinking like, I know this advocate. They probably just ignored him completely and said, no, 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 Jesus, you need to stay with us. I mean, how you have been honest? Like you love to walk with God in the flesh, like Jesus in the flesh. You see, Jesus knew something that they couldn't possibly know. He actually knew, and it actually is, better that he goes to the Father and sends the Holy Spirit. Here's why. Jesus, when he died on the cross, the Bible says he paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. The theological idea here is justification. There is a penalty for every sinful thing you do. How many of you are without sin? every one of us have a great debt we cannot pay. This is why, if you're in here and you're far from God and you're looking at your life and you're trying to do it the world's way, I can save you a lot of heartache and pain, okay? You won't, your life won't get better, it'll be worse, and you'll never be all that God's called you to be apart from a relationship with Jesus. For those of us that are saved, we're gonna talk about this a little more today. We've given our lives to Christ, we've surrendered our life, okay? And we're now justified from the penalty of our sin. Here's what that means. What that means now, Jesus is saying it's better that I leave this earth, I fulfilled my mission, and I go and I sit at the right hand of the Father. You know why Jesus is at the right hand of the Father? There's a few reasons why he's there. The first reason is so that every single time Satan comes and accuses somebody who's found in Christ, Jesus can go, Hey, I'm your advocate. I'm actually your high priest between you and God. Look at my hands. I paid for that. Did you know God's just? He never makes you pay twice. He's absolutely just. He's fulfilled our... That's where the word justified comes from. It's just because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Okay, But he's also there, the Bible says, preparing a place for us. He's also there, the Bible says, coordinating the capital C church. He's coordinating the body of Christ, ruling and reign. One day we will rule and reign with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is on the throne, completely in control... Okay, but that begs the question, how many of you need the spirit of God in your life here on earth? That is the person of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that you understand that. Jesus is saying, it's better that I leave because I'm one person physically in one place, but I'm going to send the advocate who is the spirit of God. Where does he come from? The very first book of Genesis, the spirit was hovering over the chaos of the deep when you look around the world, when you look at your life, is there still some chaos that might need some of God's order? Are there still some things that you might need, right? God's help in ordering in your life. Absolutely. It's so important. And so it's better because not only, by the way, as long as Jesus was here, the the Bible says when the dove came on him at his baptism, that the fullness of the Holy Spirit was on him. Think about that line for just a minute. You know, we're taking a trip to Israel. By the way, we have a few spots left if you'd like to go. It's an incredible place, but I already talked about it. Think about that. Think about the line to go see Jesus in Jerusalem. How many of you have a need? You need God to meet. Now think, I got to go wait in line to be able to see him physically. Well, you'd be waiting a long time, probably far beyond the years that you have left. That's why Jesus sent the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, there's a work Uh, The Holy Spirit, the New Testament talks about him a lot and it uses three Greek prepositions. And in these three Greek prepositions, we see, right, the completeness of his work. The number three is always the number of perfection. It's always complete, right? God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's three in one for perfect and whole, all equal, all powerful, but all unique and different. The Bible says you and I are created in the image of God. Paul Paul says that we are spirit, soul, and body. That when all of our spirit, soul, and body is united following Christ, we too are complete. The same thing is in the work of the Holy Spirit. There are three works of the Holy Spirit in this world. The first is, the Bible says, he is in this world convicting this world of sin. That's very important. This is important because a lot of times believers get deceived by what I'm gonna call the idol of evangelism Because we think that every single word we say and everything we do is either gonna lead people to heaven or straight to hell. That's a lot of pressure. It's a whole lot of pressure. But the Bible actually says that's not how this works. The Bible says that we partner with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Did you know even those people that God gave you in your head, hey, they need Jesus, they need to come to church, or I need to talk to them about my faith. Did you know he's already working in that person's life with or without you? And did you know, even if you don't obey God, God still is willing that none should perish and he's going to do everything he can possibly do to fill that gap. Now you're also going to give an account before him on whether or not you obeyed him to do what he called you to do. Sir, it's true. You don't do it. He will raise up somebody else. Two things will happen. Number one, you'll give an account. Number two, you'll miss the blessing, meaning and fulfillment of being used by God. That's right. So he's working in the world. The next thing is the Bible says when we're born again, he comes to reside in each and every one of us, meaning that you and I have a portion. The Bible calls it a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. His name is the spirit of adoption. You're born again. I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Christ, not everything changed, but something big changed. All of a sudden, I wanted to do good. All of a sudden, I wanted to know God. If you're in here and you call yourself a Christian and you have no hunger to know God, you're not saved. We're gonna talk to you after service. It's just true. Now, it doesn't mean just because you're saved, everything just works itself out and you're just completely made new. Although I was made alive in Christ, the Bible says a new creation My want to changed but my desires were still there. The same way that I thought, the same way that I felt, the same way that I acted, I had to conform that into this new creation. Let me say it this way. Before Christ, you were a bad person that occasionally did good. In Christ, you're now complete, a good person who occasionally does bad. That's a totally different position. And so the Holy Spirit comes as a deposit. Now, deposits are really important. Because God has a plan in the earth. He's working that plan out. You are a part of that plan right now. Okay? But the plan hasn't been complete yet. And so it so the Bible says Jesus gives us a deposit of his spirit. He doesn't put it in one person, he puts it in his body. And the local church, in the book of Acts, and even today, was it was a secret the bible says hidden in the heart of god since the beginning of time the bible literally says if satan could have seen what was going to happen when the holy spirit fell he never would have touched jesus and it was a secret hidden in the heart of the father since the beginning even the disciples they didn't understand it they're still thinking man jesus you're going to come help us kick the romans butts come on conquering king they only thought physical what they couldn't imagine was the holy spirit residing in each one of them as a deposit. Think about a deposit for a minute. We have this favorite uh, furniture store that we go to. I'm not going to tell you what it is because people always get there first and buy the best furniture. So I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but it's an outlet store. And, and we always get there and, and, and I can go there and, and, and I can pick out pieces of furniture that I really like. And they have, even though I have no way of getting them home, I have no way of, I can figure that out later. I can go and I, and I can take off the little tags and I can go to the front and I can pay 25% for them to hold them for me to come back next week. The same is the Holy Spirit inside of you as a believer. It's a deposit of a fullness that's coming. That fullness is when that furniture gets put in that perfect room, right? I mean, like decorating, I'm kind of nerdy like that. It gets put in its right place, even though I don't have it yet, it's already mine. That's the idea of the person of the Holy Spirit, his work in us. But the Holy Spirit will also come upon you. This word is E-P-I in the Greek, it's epi. It's this idea of there's gonna be times in your life right, where you're gonna need the power of God to come upon you to be a witness, not to make it all about you or to get weird or to draw attention to yourself. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit empowers believers so that they look at what we do and they give praise to God. They look at who we were and they give praise to God. They look like, I knew that person before, there is a God in heaven because there is no way that's the same person. That's what happens. And God's power comes on us. And so what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to talk about some ways that that happens. But first, I want to I teach you something that maybe you've never really thought about, especially if you've been in church for a little while. For me, especially early on in my faith, I would read stories about people in the Bible, and I would just be blown away. I maybe mean, you've ever looked at like, open up your Bible and you're reading stories about David and you're reading stories about, you know, it's just it's Sam, Samuel and you're reading stories about these Gideon, these great men and women of God, Deborah. You're just sitting here thinking, like, I don't know, like, you look around our world. How many of you honestly thought, we need some more of them, you know? You're looking around the world and you're thinking, man, I need, we need it. We definitely need a Jeremiah. Come on, anybody. You don't know what I'm talking about because you haven't read the book. You need to read it. And we need an Isaiah, man. We, we man, if only we had a David. Right? If only we had a David, think about this, Hebrews chapter eleven by faith, Abel offered a, a, to God a better sacrifice than Cain by faith, Enoch was approved as one who pleased God by faith, after he was motivated by godly fear, Abraham built or Noah built the ark by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by faith, Sarah, Moses, Gideon, Samson, David, Samuel, and the prophets did what they did. How many of you thought to yourself, man, we need some more of that. It'll never happen. You know why? They fulfilled God's purpose in their time. The Bible actually says in that same chapter in Hebrews, they're up in heaven looking at us. If jealousy was possible, they'd be jealous. Man, I wish I could be there. For I saw a glimpse as through a cloudy piece of glass of what was coming, but I didn't see it all. I saw a pin of the future. The Bible says Abraham was justified by faith. He was looking into the future at what you and I are, have fulfilled in the church. They're up in heaven, the Bible says, in grandstands cheering us on. And can I just tell you, listen, there's never gonna be another Abraham. There's never gonna be another Moses. There's never gonna be another David. We see songs to remember them, and that's great. Remembering's important because we know that God's no respecter of persons. There's never gonna be another you ever again. And we have a choice as believers, particularly in this conversation about the Holy Spirit, to allow him to use us in our time. People ask me this all the time. I'm gonna teach uh, what's called eschatology. It's the study of the end times. I got this cool title. Uh, you know, If you don't like it, it doesn't matter. I'm probably gonna use it. But it's called The End is Greater Than the Beginning. And for those who believe it is, and, and, and it's this this kind of this word, you know, God's making all things new. He's using it. People always ask me, is it the end days? And I think to myself, well, I don't know, but I know it's your end days. Because <laughs> when your time's up, you get no more. Their time is up. And did you know that what we have is actually better? The Bible says it's better. It doesn't replace, but it fulfills. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. What is that? That's the person of the Holy Spirit alive in every single follower of Christ. He says this in Hebrews eleven thirty nine. 39. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. Everyone say me. me. That's what I want to talk about for the next few moments. Because I believe more than any other time in our culture, more than any other time in the season of our church, in our, the, in our lives, that we need the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever before. We need to stop thinking God's going to use someone else. And we need to start activating his power in us. Do you know why this place feels different than many other places in culture? Many of us were praying out, we're crying out to God, God, I want more of your spirit, I want more of your presence. That worship, that wasn't just because we had talented musicians and some smog and some lights. It's because there was a manifest presence in this room because you came in it. You see, many of us, we want more of God, right? But we never gather with God's people. It's in his presence we get more of him and as we open up his word, the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. I wanna practically give you some thoughts that as we go into this Easter season, I think all of us need to believe at a greater level. And we need to, we, some of you, you know, it just depends. if you're a Baptist or Presbyterian, this is how you worship. And I love you. You're fine. You know, if you, it, listen, if you're a non-denominational Baptist, you put a coffee in your hand. Come on, somebody. <laughs> okay. It, it, you know, listen, everyone has different personalities. I'm not going to get in here and, you know, whatever. But, but I will tell you, you know why we raise our hands in worship? It's a universal sign of surrender. We open, up, we open up our hands. You know, you know why? Two things. We need to first realize that we're not God. You know what this does? There's a reason why the symbol of revolution is this. Jesus said, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. In other words, it will slip between your knuckle and your closed fist. But if you open up your hand, what is that? Surrender. I will hand you back a life that's so much greater than anything you could ever have. Did you know your faith is the greatest adventure that any human being was ever created for? Better than anything on your bucket list. You'll spend the rest of your life allowing the Holy Spirit to download into you, in part, as a deposit, what's going to happen in a new heaven and a new earth. Did you know this isn't all that there is? Our world loves to say that. It's demonic. It's a demonic attack that's been from the very beginning. It was in the garden with the serpent going, hey, hey, God's holding out on you. You won't actually die, right? You want to know a loophole? A lie with just a little bit of truth? This is so important for believers to grasp. The second reason that you need to surrender is because you need to realize you need God. First, you're not God. Second, you need him. And all of us in this next season of what God's called us to do, we need the Spirit of God actively working in us. Not just one of us, not just a pastor on stage, not just a small group leader, but every single one of us as we're walking into our jobs, as we're sitting down to eat with our family, as we're engaging a culture that quite frankly has gone insane. You know how we shine a light? That light comes from the light. That God sent into the world and then Jesus sent to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Eight ways that the Holy Spirit works in us. I got eight minutes, so I got one minute for each. Y'all ready? I may not hit all the verses. They are in your notes. I would encourage you to open your Bible on your own. A lot of people talk about truth. You know, anybody, anybody who comes to you telling you that they have a secret truth, don't believe them. Jesus has revealed his truth, it's his word. My word is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You don't need a pastor or a priest. Now, you do need the spiritual family of God and authority and leadership in your life so you don't get weird. Lots of people get weird. You see an isolated Christian? Yeah. It's like, you know, Hanks on Castaway talking to a beach ball. (laughs) Volleyball, my bad, Wilson. (laughs) you get weird. And you know, the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of weirdness with the Holy Spirit. And God, listen, the devil will do everything he can to make you dismiss his work in your life. Oh, that's just feelings. That's just emotionalism. That's not really what happened. People will say that God doesn't move like he did with the apostles. They have all kinds of doctrinal statements and all kinds of excuses. I gave my life to Christ right before my 11th birthday and they put me on a church bus to a revival. And I believe God, I believe God was there. By the time I got there, he wasn't there, but I believe he maybe was there before. I believe God works in revival. Usually we just screw it up because God doesn't move the same way twice. Not like that. We want to build a monument on it and we end up screwing it all up. I knew it was messed up because when I went in, they didn't have anybody that wanted to serve kids. They all wanted to be in the presence of God in the main auditorium and there are kids that it smelt. No diapers were getting changed. They had to force, threaten adults. You know God left when the children are getting taken care of. God's gone. I went in, I didn't know any better, I was young. They put me into this prayer line, people hooping and hollering, barking like dogs. I was just like, what did I get myself into? I get to the front of this line, this very famous preacher, I believe he's dead now, put his hand on my head, and I kind of came from the hood, you know? We call that trailer park for white people, come on. <laughs> I can use those words too. I don't got to appropriate nothing, okay? I lived it. I was a little rough. I didn't know how all this Christian charismatic stuff worked. I wasn't trained. I would say indoctrinated. But anyways, this brother puts his hand on my forehead. Who touches another person's face? It's freaking weird. He starts pushing on me. And when I start pushing, I'm like, pushing back. <laughs> and then a guy comes behind me. And I'm paying attention. You know where you get shanked? From the behind. And I'm looking and this guy's coming behind me and I'm I'm starting to get nervous and I'm I'm doubling down. He starts praying for blessing and healing. It turns to casting out a demon because I wasn't responding. I will tell you, if there was a demon, it's still there because nothing happened. But anyways, (laughs) it really messed me up. I've still got eight points. We're going to go real fast. It it really messed me up. And the devil does that. He puts the weirdest unbiblical thing. You know what I see in the Bible when God heals somebody? They get up and walk. They don't fall down and bark like a dog. Always come back to the word. Now listen, some of y'all, you're more emotional than most. That's fine. You can have your expression, but don't you dare call it Jesus and then impress it on everybody else. We see what's true in God's word. And we come back to God's word. We come back to God's word. Eight things, the Holy Spirit's work in us. I'm gonna go fast. First, we've already covered this. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. You are not God, you are a partner. I would actually say you're a minor partner. If you won't step up and do what God's called you to do, He will find someone else, but you'll never find the fulfillment from saying, Yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Next, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. What does He say? What does He say? He speaks to Jesus, John 15, 26. When the counselor comes, the the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit is the power and presence of Jesus. You do not need him in the flesh. You've got his spirit with you all the time. Every healing you see in the New Testament, every demonstration of power, and even Jesus himself said that pales in comparison. The people who come after me, when the Holy Spirit falls, they'll do greater things than me because up to that point, nobody was ever born again. That's the next thing he does. The Holy Spirit gives us new life. I'll let you read John 3, 3 about Nicodemus. He's called the spirit of adoption. Next, we see the Holy Spirit teaches us Holy Spirit teaches us. How does he teach us? There's two Greek words you gotta understand. The word logos is the written word of God. It's this, every single bit of it. It's all right here. Somebody tries to tell you I've got some secret truth. That's witchcraft. They're a sorcerer. It's called Gnostics, by the way. It's what everyone's trying to say today because I'm this color, because I'm this sexual transition, whatever. I've got some secret knowledge for you. And one day, You know, when you miraculously, instead of being born again by surrendering your life to Jesus, you become awakened or woke. You can now understand. You see how demonic that is. Woke started in the garden with the serpent tipping Eve. That's where it started. It's nothing new. Christians just haven't been taught about it. Right? He says, you'll be born again. Anything that violates the word of God. I don't care if it comes from your preacher's mouth. I don't care where it comes from. You do not need Anyone to be able to discern the truth, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit lives in you. It resonates what's right. And then there's dissonance, disconnect with what's not. The key is if you don't know God's word, I almost quoted a a bad word in a country song. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Glad I didn't, my wife's taught me to think before I speak. (laughs) Second Timothy 3, 16, all scripture, everyone say all. all. Okay, in the original language, all means all nothing new, all of it. Every bit of it's good. All of it we can learn from. When we know God's logos, then this other Greek word, the rhema, which is the revealed word for you. The Bible doesn't tell you who you should marry, but it does say who's marriable. The Bible doesn't tell you exactly what you should do with that business deal, but it does give you a compass for truth, for honesty, for integrity. The Bible doesn't tell you should you speak or not right? But the word of God tells you what the truth is. The Holy Spirit helps us remember. I love you guys. I had had a lady come out to the guest suite about a year ago, and I love doing this to you. I'll give you the trick. It's just funny. Comes out, pastor, your message was so great. You're just the greatest blah, 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 blah. Usually she comes from some church background usually. And I like the encouragement by the way. Thank you. I don't need it. I'm going to still do it no matter what. I do enjoy it. And I'll look at her, and I'll go, really? What did you like about it? Oh, you know, it was all really good. I go, no, 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 I did four points. Which point did you really like? (laughs) She'll go, well, well, you know, it was just all really good. I'll go, okay, Mm, mm. Here's the truth, we forget stuff. And I pray you forget everything that's not a word from God to you. Just because you forget it doesn't mean the seed hasn't been planted. You know what the Holy Spirit helps you do? long after you forget what some preacher said, it brings back God's word that he put into your heart. This is why going to church is important. This is why listening to God together keeps us from being weird and keeps us on mission and focus. This is why the church is a family and not a mob. You know what controls the mob? Some cult leader driving it to somewhere. It's not how it works in the body of Christ. You start hearing something that doesn't match God's word, leave. Somebody asked me one time, who votes for stuff here? Oh, I know there's different traditions for that. I just personally don't want to bother you with a bunch of stuff I don't really care about your opinion on. <laughs> you know, color, carpet color and chairs just silly. People vote on everything. It's weird, but people like that. Whatever. You want to go to a controlling 50-person church like that? You go right ahead. That's fine. I looked at her one day. Somebody said this in a membership group. They don't let me do a Q&A anymore, live. And I said, "Ma'am, what do you mean? Who votes?" I I said, you vote every week. Every time you walk into this church, you have two votes, your right foot and your left foot. And I'm gonna tell you as believers, pastors who are not passionate about God's word, over pleasing you, you should take your feet and you should leave. They'll lead you in deception. And I've watched it. I've watched it over and over and over again. We love the celebrity. We love the celebrity more than we love God's word. If you focus on God's word, you won't be deceived. You'll know what to say when you need to say it. You'll be ready, the Bible says, in season and out of season. Next, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Romans 8, 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads with us believers in harmony with God's own will. For those of you Baptists, this is the gift of a prayer language. I'm going to talk about that next week. Don't leave yet. Just come back next week and hear me out. But God does actually give believers spiritual gifts. One of those is a prayer language. They are gifts from God. They're not promised to everybody, but the Bible says we should be seeking all of them all the time. You know why? Because we need them. We need them. Now there's order for them and there's ways that that works. Next, the Holy Spirit empowers us to speak. And empowers us to speak. I love the passage in Acts. I'm going to paraphrase because we're running out of time. There's a passage in Acts that describes Peter standing up to the same people who killed Jesus. I remember Peter. Peter was real bravado in the beginning. He had his fist, you know? like that. Jesus said, mm-mm, 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 do this. You're not as good as you think you are, and you need me. Cut it out." And then he humbles Peter. Peter denies him something he promised he would never do three times. Weak, it was like a little teenage girl. It wasn't even like he was denying him to soldiers. Like a little girl, a little maiden. Broken, goes to Galilee, goes back to fishing for fish, even though God said you're gonna be a fisher of man. Completely failed, missed it. Jesus goes out of his way, just like he goes out of his way for us, back to the place where he calls us if you've drifted and says, hey, 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 you need to cut back to what I've called you to do. Come back to what I've called you to do. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 falls on the church. I mean, revival happens. Their eyes are open. They see what Jesus was talking about through the power of the Holy Spirit for three years. Everything that frustrated Jesus that they didn't understand, they got it. They begin to spread. That same Peter with John is standing before the same people proclaiming Christ and could care less what they do to them. A lot of people say this and it's wrong. Sometimes a lie has a half truth in it, but it's still a lie. People say this all the time and, and it gaslights Christians. You know what, you, you don't need to say anything. Just live your life. Let your life be your witness and your testimony. What, what's the quote? If you live like Christ, you'll never have to say anything. That's not true, that's a lie. The Bible says that it's the word that gives life to everyone around us. It's the word when even spoken through our own lips transform our own lives. I wonder what would happen in our world if believers stopped being scared to proclaim and to speak God's word. I bet you culture wouldn't be going the way it's going. God's called us to speak his word. God speaks through God's people by God's spirit. Finally, as we close, the Holy Spirit helps us become like him. The Holy Spirit helps us become like Jesus. He convicts the world of its sin. He testifies about Jesus. He gives believers new life. He begins to teach us. He helps us remember. He helps us pray. He empowers us. But ultimately, we want to be like Jesus. That's what this world needs more than anything else. More than fancy lights and big rooms and trendy this and trendy that. You know what we need to do? We need to go back to what has always worked. God's word. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now through your spirit in the hearts of people. I thank you, Father, that through biblical clarity, through us knowing your word, Father, we can have courage to live the life that you've called us to live. There's not a greater adventure than a life committed to and following after you. Empowered by your spirit, to literally be the light of the world, the hands and the feet in this earth. God, I pray that you would continue to build us as we move into this Easter season. I pray, God, you would still, continue to speak to us. Give us boldness to open up our spiritual family, to open up our arms to people who need it. Give us boldness to speak truth even when we might get canceled. The Bible teaches us that they tried to cancel you, but you rose the same thing the word of god says you're the first to rise but not the last father give us boldness and a willingness to be used by you to reach people for you father i also pray for those in here that are far from you your holy spirit has already been convicting them already been drawing them through your word i pray that they would make true on that conviction that they would turn that conviction into action and they would surrender their life to you as heads are bowed eyes are closed we're almost done Maybe you're in here today and you're far from God. I don't have to take a magnifying glass to look at every little thing. I don't have to ask you awkward questions. You know if you're playing with God or you've never followed him. You know if you've fallen away from him. You also must know that he expects you to make a decision. He will never bully his way into your life. He will never force you against your will, but your life will never be all that it was called to be, all that it's meant to be apart from him. You can't be close to God apart from accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross by dying for your sin, the power of the resurrection. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to pray for you. Listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out when I do any of that. But if you're in here and you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I'm far from God. I don't want to be. Don't leave this place the same way that you came in. If that's you, would you just put your hand up halfway? Just acknowledge that that's me. Is there anybody here who say that's me? Thank you. Is there anyone else who say that's me? Thank you. By the way, you're never the only one. Thank you. Thank you. It's the most important decision you can ever make. Is there anyone else you say, that's me? It's me. In a moment, I'm gonna lead everyone into a prayer. As a matter of fact, we're all gonna pray this prayer, but if you raise your hand and you really meant it, if you didn't mean it, mean it, this prayer won't do anything for you. But if you really mean it, confession is what comes next. Through your own mouth, an act of free will, you confess that the Bible's true that Jesus is God, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead. The Bible says on the other side of that confession, God begins to work in your life. God's spirit comes into you and gives you the next step. My advice to you is continue to take the step. We're gonna give you a step as well following this prayer. But right now, the first step is to pray from your own lips. Allow this to be an expression of why you raise your hand. I believe God's gonna meet you there. Church, we believe in what they're doing so much. We wanna encourage their faith. Let's all pray this prayer together. Let's pray, Jesus...